unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? We know that song? Was the silence awkward for anybody just then? Yeah, right. All you introverts, it was more uncomfortable for you introverts than it was for me. I promise you that. Matt's looking at me like, he's joking, he's joking. He forgot what he was going to say. Listen, today we're talking about Zachariah's song. And in Zachariah's song, um, <clears throat> he was silent, right? He was silent for nine months of his, of his wife's pregnancy, and then he broke out in song. So this morning we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the awkwardness. We're going to look at the realities of, of just of silence and our hearts singing and when we become silent and why we become silent and if we're silent. Um, so turn, turn in your Bibles real quick to Luke 1, if you have them, or flip open your your device to Luke 1, uh, starting in verse 67. We're going to look at Zechariah's song. And before we actually go to the text, we're going to, we're just going to talk a few minutes um, about Zechariah and kind of bring you guys up to speed on what's going on if you don't know Zechariah's story. Um, so Zechariah's a priest. Um, he, him, we know that him and his wife Elizabeth are old. We don't know how old because the Bible doesn't say how old. It just says they're old. Um, we know that they are barren. Um, her womb is is barren and she she cannot have children they have not had children but um we know that they're happy and they're satisfied in the lord they're they're serving god and so what i want to look at is the the importance of that so what they've what they've done is they've spent their entire marriage praying for a child and they have not received a child and what that means for them is it, it's i mean i don't want it to i don't want it to sound real flippant but it's their retirement plan right in the, in, in this day if you didn't have any children or, or that really sons to take care of you when you got older you had no 401k, okay? So, so this is a big, big problem for them. It's a big concern. So it's probably a, a very heartfelt prayer and a very heartfelt desire um, that they have to have, this, to have a child. Um, but what we see is, we see, we see Zechariah, he's a priest. There's, the way it's divided up, there's about 18,000 priests at the time. And, and, and they're, they're called to the temple in Jerusalem twice a year to go in and what they get there they go to jerusalem they get, they get to the temple and they cast lots to see who gets to go in and do the big prayer right they're going to go in they're going to throw some incense down on the on the coals and they're going to you know they're going to uh, pray to god and then come back out and, and and talk to the people so imagine zachariah has been traveling to jerusalem for probably 40 or 50 years twice a year to do this and has never chosen because once, you, once you're picked one time at this, this is your job, you get this one chance. Once you do it, you don't have to do it ever again. So th- he's been traveling every, every year, twice a year, to the temple to be able to do this prayer. And every year, it's, it's not him, right? Never him, never him, never him. Finally, we see he shows up, and it's his turn. So he goes into the temple, begins, his, begins the, 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 the praying, and the, uh, the angel Gabriel appears. Right? The angel Gabriel appears, the same angel that appears to Mary appears to Zechariah and tells Zechariah that his wife will have a son. Okay, so Zechariah's moment has come, it's arrived. The angel Gabriel himself is in front of Zechariah. Right? I don't know about y'all, but I wouldn't need much more clarification that A, God's real, and B, whatever he says is probably going to happen. Right? But he says, Zechariah, you're, you're going to, your wife Elizabeth is going to have this son. And instead of Zechariah believing him he says really wait a minute are you sure you know I mean it's not that that I'm just I'm using that word he didn't really say that but he just he was just in disbelief in utter disbelief and the and the angel was proclaiming a promise his time has come the big crescendo the big moment 
Zechariah had been waiting for has come, and an angel stands before him and tells him and proclaims a promise of God, and he doesn't believe him. And so, so the Lord strikes him mute and says he will not speak again until his son is born. John the, John the Baptist is born. So, I mean, I know my subject, just, just thinking about silence and during a pregnancy is overwhelming to me. Now, can you imagine being silent for, silent for nine months while your wife's pregnant? I mean, think about the awkwardness that I came out with this morning, right? I came out, Kevin prayed over me, it was awesome. And then I stood here for, it was probably only a minute, but it felt, for me, it felt like three or four, but for you guys, it might have been longer. And then I broke out in a song. So imagine, imagine Zechariah walks out of the temple and cannot speak. And these people are awaiting a word from the Lord because that's what would happen. He would, the, the priest would come out and he stands there silent and all he can do is, he's miming, right? He's, he's miming. Now you, you say he can write stuff down, but yeah, I mean, he could, he could probably scribble some stuff, but the Bible says he made signs to them and he can't speak. So we're talking about frustration. We're talking about awkwardness. Just, just the reality of what that, when that goes down. I'm just trying to put you in that place. Um, so Luke and I, when we were talking about this message, we decided in our planning and preparation that we were going to go home and pick a day on our calendar and just be silent all day with our families and see how that went. Well, just FYI, Luke chickened out. He's not here, but he didn't do it. I did. So when I started thinking about it, picking a day out, I, put, I scribbled the day out on the calendar, and then I got to thinking, I really like being married, right? <laughs> and I really like my wife, and I don't know how well she would react or put up with me being quiet for a whole day and just not speaking to her. So I drilled that down to, I'll just pick a small block of time, and we'll just test it out and see how it goes. So we're coming back. This is a couple weeks ago. We're coming back from Oak Ridge. We had, we had lunch as a family. We were hanging out, my day off. And the class, I told myself in my head as I'm driving, I said, when the clock turns 3.30, I'm just not going to respond to anybody else and just see what happens, right, in the car. And so we're driving in the car from Oak Ridge. 3.30 comes, and, I, and I've been talking this whole time, having conversation. The clock comes, or the clock, the clock hits 3.30, and I go silent, right? It wasn't long before we got, you know, two kiddos, the little one in the back seat, the youngest, she pipes up and says, hey, Dad, isn't, that a, isn't this our exit? And so I just, I looked in the mirror and just nodded. Mm-hmm. My oldest, who, who's the informant, she says, um, Dad, did you hear your daughter? She asked you a question or she said something to you. <laughs> and so I, again, I just looked in the mirror and gave one of these. Now my wife, brilliant woman, I see her out of my peripheral and I see her turn her head like this. So she's already recognizing because it's not in my nature not to talk. And the first, the first word out of, words out of her mouth are, you playing the quiet game by yourself? <laughs> so immediately, I, I mean, I laugh. I mean, I, didn't, I, I was trying to hold it back because I knew what her reaction would be, and she did not fail me. She, she, she delivered. So then it became a game. So my, I've got, I'm getting pinched and punched from the back seat. Kids are taking their shoes off and shoving them in my face, trying to make me, you know, freak out or whatever. I'm trying to take a pin. I'm driving, mind you, so this is not safe. But I'm trying to take a pin at a stoplight we're at. I'm trying to tell, write it down. And Brandy's going, no, if it's not important enough for you to say, you don't get to write it down either. You know, I mean, <laughs> and we're going back and forth. I'm like trying to pull my phone out and text her. She takes my phone away. You're not texting me right now. She called me stupid about 15 times. You are so stupid, you know, and they're just going off, you know. And she finally, she finally, like, I couldn't take it anymore. She said, she goes, are you a kid? Are you a man? Are you a little boy right now? You know what I mean? She just, 
I'm just, you know, she's got nothing. So imagine Zachariah walking out, and, and, and he's met with, what happened? And he's just, and they're just going, what? What, what does that mean? You know, I mean, so, I mean, just imagine the, the, the craziness, right? And so that happened in my car. And let me tell you, what's even crazier, that was only 15 minutes. I did that for 15 minutes, and then I had to just shut it down. I couldn't take it anymore right? Because y'all know how much I like to talk. Hence the reason I'm up here with a microphone on my face. I like to talk. And so it was, it was killing me to be quiet. So the, the, just the, the awkwardness of it, of it all. But I want to take it a step further. And John talked to us last week, Pastor John from Redeemer talked to us last week about Mary going and visiting Elizabeth and, Zach, Elizabeth and Zachariah. And when, uh, when Mary arrives, okay, <clears throat> in their home, Elizabeth greets Mary as the one who believed. So, so, so think about Zachariah in that moment. He's sitting there, probably, probably a little upset with himself, a little ashamed that he didn't, he didn't believe this vision from the Lord and this promise of God and is struck silent. And yet Mary shows up and his wife acknowledges her as the one who believed. I mean, can we say failure? It's, it's just big time, I mean, big time failure. So you spend this entire pregnancy He's reminded over and over again as he watches his wife and this baby grow in her womb that he is a failure. Is anybody in here ever reminded of failures? Whether it's, whether it's on purpose, by accident, it's a family member, it's a, it's, a, it's a husband, it's a wife, it's a mom, it's a dad, it's a kid, reminds you over and over again of, it, and it could be, it's not nothing, it doesn't have to be anything huge. It could be something small. You forgot to take the garbage out. Way to go, you failed. Right? I mean, that's what, it, that's what it comes across to us a lot as. W- are we the ones that remind? Do we remind people of failures? I know I do. Right? I mean, I remind people of failing all the time. Because, because well, let me tell you what happens when our, when our hearts become silent in our failure. Right? When we're silent, our hearts, our hearts withdraw and we become silent in our failure we become really loud. Our hearts become really loud at pointing out other people's failures, right? Does that ever happen to anybody? Am I, am I alone in that? But there were, some, there were some striking similarities between Mary and Zachariah's story. One is they're both, both visited by the angel Gabriel. I already, already told you that. They're both promised the miraculous birth of a son. Um, the, the births shouldn't really be happening. Zachari- Zachariah's wife's barren and Mary's a virgin. And they're both, they both respond with the same perplexity of how, right? But, but Mary's how was, she believed, Zechariah's how was, really? That, that could happen? So, so, so just, just know the differences as well. There's similarities, but the differences was, obviously, Mary was rewarded, Zechariah was struck mute. And Luke 1, verse 45 says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And so, when Zechariah breaks into song, this turns into a musical real fast. We'll get to the text in a second. But when he actually breaks into a song, how many people in here like musicals? Come on, you can admit it. It's okay. It's okay. I grew up watching music, musicals. My mom's a huge musical fan. So I grew up with all the musicals. And, and my wife's favorite movie happens to be Sound of Music, which is a musical. I don't understand musicals from the standpoint of why everybody's talking and acting normal, and then the flash mob breaks out and everybody's singing. I don't get it at all. I'm just like, let's cut all the, 
let's cut all the, the singing out and we'll just get to the end real fast, right? So, I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand it, but I can, I, can, I, can, I can sympathize with those who like it. So, so, so nine months of silence and then all he does is sing. It says in Luke 1, verse 65, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessings to God. Or it says he spoke blessings to God. So I'm sure, I'm sure at some point the haters were hating and the players were playing, but he didn't sing Shake It Off, did he? Right? He said blessings to God. He didn't sing Let It Go, all our favorite musicals right now, right? He's saying he sang of God's glorious gospel. Right? So we need to, let's relate to Zachariah this morning. Let's, maybe, maybe this morning you do relate, you find yourself in the silence that comes by unbelief like he did. Because we make God's voice so small in our lives, we lose any voice to worship. That's, that, that's what we do. When we become silent, we grow distant from God. We talk, but we never sing. We, we may vocalize the truth and, 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 and proclaim the truth that we know in our head to be true, but we, we don't really believe it. Right? We say it, we're only saying it because people tell us it's true. You know, because we listen to the, we listen to the next best sermon out there. We listen to John Piper and we, and we repeat quotes from him and we know it to be true or we we read scripture and we know it to be true but we don't believe it we might as well just shut up and be silent why would we say something that we're not believing in our hearts to be true but yet we're using and and talking and acknowledging in people's lives we're just we're distant and we're silent this season christmas season the 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 holiday season it's equal it, it just it accumulates failure we look at this life we go back over the year and it's just we see failure, we, the failures accumulate. That's why this, this season right now, if you don't know it statistically, is the highest for suicides because of the holidays, right? Because people are looking back over the year and they're, they're seeing how their works have consistently let them down, right? Their failures keep stacking up. I get to December and I said, well, I was supposed to start a diet January 1st, of 2000, 2014, and I di- it didn't make it. It didn't happen. Here I am in December. I still weigh the same. I was supposed to start exercising, but P90X is still in the box on the counter. I didn't, do, I didn't even open that when Amazon just showed up with Amazon, right? We start beating ourselves up. Promotions, we didn't get that promotion at work for whatever reason, right? We, we, were, we, we, we deserved it, but we didn't get it. We didn't do what we were supposed to. We didn't get it. Relationships, right? My marriage is still in the toilet. It's another year of failed marriage. It's another, it's another year of singleness. I'm still, I'm still dating, so let's put ourselves in Zachariah's shoes. If you're not already there, please, begging you this morning, put yourselves in Zachariah's shoes because I'm betting in, this, in here this morning we're in unbelief like him, not buying into the promises of God, whatever they are. Whatever the promise of God to you looks like this morning, you may not be buying into it. You also may be silent like him. There's no confident worship or praise in your heart at all this morning. You're, you're just spiritually dead this morning. Or maybe you're being disciplined like him. Something is afflicting you to teach you faith. Like him being silent, something is afflicting you. Because the reality is, we don't have a song. Zechariah had a song. After his silence, he had a song. But we are silent. Let's go to the text. Luke 1. I've got this marked in here somewhere. Sorry, I had one of those nifty little, there he is, tassel, there we go. Okay, Luke 1, verse 67. It says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit 
It prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's pray. God, this morning I ask that, as I, as I prepared this morning, I ask that you remove me, God. Remove me from from empty words, God, just that I would, that I would reveal, that I think that I could reveal anything that you, you already haven't or will. God, I just pray that you're with me. You're with these people this morning. You're with us as we, as we pour and press into your word. God, I pray that there are open hearts, open minds, and open ears this morning, that people hear your gospel and it's proclaimed. And God, that I pray that you're just with us this week as we live mission, live on mission, and live in the city and live, live on mission to the city. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen. Some of y'all think that's the end. It's not. I can keep going. Is that all right? So, so this, this moment in time, so 400 years of silence has just taken place. So this, this instance with Zechariah is the first time the Lord has spoken to his people in 400 years. So my minute up here of quiet, imagine 400 years of silence from God. So when Zechariah, that's his song that he broke out into, what I just read, that's his prophecy, his song that he proclaims. So he was speaking words. He had a hard time believing himself just, just nine months before, seven, several months before. So he wasn't, and he wasn't talking about his, his own son either. He was talking about God, God's son, right? So guys, imagine your wife, because some of you right now in here are pregnant. I know this, right? And you're pregnant with sons. So, so guys, feel me on this. You're, you're watching your wife, right? You're watching this baby grow and develop in her womb. You're watching her you're watching her get big, and you're getting excited about it, but you can't tell her, right? Maybe you're getting frustrated with something, but you can't tell her, right? Yeah, sure, you can, you can break out your, your iPad, and you could text her or whatever. You could let her know. You could write it down, but can you really, really, could she read into emotion, emotion on how excited you are through a text? I mean, Zach, think about our boy Zachariah. He's got like a, a, a coal and a, and a stone, right? You know how pretty that would be. At least you could color her a picture, right? You could like, you know, get out some watercolors and paint little happy and smiley faces. And I'm really happy about this, right? But wives, think about how frustrated you probably are with him, right? I mean, you can talk to him and, and do, do everything you need to do to communicate with him, and he can't. So imagine this, guys. In verse 69, it says, horn of salvation. It says, Jesus would be our horn of salvation, protecting us from our enemies and allowing us to live without fear. That's what he was, that's what Jesus came to do, right? Psalm, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to reference a few scriptures. Don't worry about turning there. But in Psalms, Psalms 132, 17, it says, There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. 
Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So Jesus would come, Jesus would come and be the ultimate, he would be the ultimate Moses, right? God, through Moses, redeemed him from his people being oppressed by Pharaoh. But he would send Jesus to redeem, redeem his people from a real enemy. That's what, this, that's what these scriptures are telling us. And can, but can you see it yet? Can you see the need for Jesus? In the text, in your own life, do you see the need? Because it's important. I mean, why this is in here? Because we need to be reminded, right? Because, because I forget. I forget. I'm talking about me. I'm not, I'm not speaking about you right now. But if you, if you agree with me, you say amen if you want to. But I forget, I forget the promises of God. It wasn't, it wasn't a year ago I was sitting in Midland, Texas praying about being here. And now I'm here. And guess what? I have a hard time remembering the promises that he's fulfilled, even though I'm standing right here in front of you speaking on this stage this morning. Do we forget? Do you forget? Do you forget the promises? Do you forget? What about answered prayers? Do we forget answered prayers? I'm horrible at journaling. I wish I was better at it because I would, I would be able to write those things down. I can think back and remember instances. Me and my wife do this all the time. We go, gosh, like, such a blessing. This person was such a blessing. What'd they do for us again? I don't remember, but God sure blessed us in that moment. But I don't remember the details. And I mean, that, that's okay on some level, but we need to be better at remembering because we forget. And, and in that, what we do as a church, we, we want to we work through that to become more gospel fluent. We want to be gospel fluent. And the way, we, the way we do that and preach the word to each other, I'm not just talking about right here on Sunday mornings, but during the week, as Kevin talked about our calm groups, our communities on mission that meet out in the city, we do that there in living rooms. Because right now, this is just a, a talking head talking to you. But in the living room, when you're sitting on the couch with people, right, and you can get one-on-one with them, right, and you, and you talk to them about, their issues and their, and their life problems and, and, and just you, you're pouring the gospel out to them. That's where we become gospel fluent. It's you and me doing life together and talking. And then we take that model, we break it up even more and we go to DNA groups where DNA groups are sitting there and that's where, where pockets of men and pockets of women meet outside the living room and you're, you're discovering the gospel together. You're nurturing it and you're applying it to each other's lives. You're calling and confronting sin and you're applying the gospel, Right? That's what, that's what gospel fluency in this church represents is our comm, our, our comm groups and DNA groups represent gospel fluency. That's why it's so important to do that. That's why community is so important. The mission is important. Community's on mission. Mission being our outward approach to the city. That is important. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But the simple fact of sitting in community in, with someone in their living room on a weekly basis or a biweekly basis, however you do it, is important. And when you're sitting in there, don't, you know, saying don't worry or... Don't worry about that. It's fine. Don't worry, right? Don't worry. Just, just smile, right? Just smile. Everything's going to be okay. What if it's not going to be okay, right? What if time heals? Luke talked about time heals. That's horrible advice, but I spent years saying it. It's horrible advice not grounded in gospel truth. Time doesn't heal. Luke talked about Job. Job got all his, he got his kids and his money and his houses back, but he still lost those children, right? He still mourned. 
We have to remind ourselves and remind each other about what God has done, or we forget and we grow silent. We stop believing and we begin measuring our effectiveness in our lives against, against wrong standards, like I'm too old, I'm not good enough, right? I spent 14 years of my life running and silent, running away from God and being silent, right? Because I didn't think I was good enough. I was too dirty, right? God calling me and I'm running. So this morning, are you silent? I'm going to ask you a series of questions as we go. Write them down. Don't write them down. But are you silent this morning? That's my question. How about when you're getting beat down? Is anybody singing when they're taking a beating? Right? Anybody? I'm not. Because no one is singing when they're getting beat down, physically or spiritually. So in, uh, look at real quick. I've got, I've got this on the board. You don't have to turn there. I should have 2 Corinthians 7. Um, says Paul Paul writes here and he says make room in your hearts for us we have wronged no one we have corrupted no one we have taken advantage of no one done nothing wrong right I do not say this to condemn you for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together I am acting with great boldness towards you I have great pride in you I am filled with comfort in all our affliction all our affliction I am overflowing with joy. In the affliction, he is overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn. So Paul's painting a picture right now. Fighting without and fear within. The, the, the fighting without and fear within is, is really important. I want to highlight, underline, and bold that. It suggests that the affliction was both external and internal. So they're experiencing physical beatings. They're experiencing oppression, right? They're, they're experiencing all these, but it's not only on the outside that they're taking these hits. They're battling eternal, uh, internally. They're wage, raging war with Satan, right? They're, do, they're, on, they're doing a spiritual battle. And what happens is when we come under attack and we're oppressed, I hope you're not getting beat up, okay? If that's happening, call the cops. But I'm saying like, like spiritually, like if you're taking a beating, we begin to fear job loss, right? We, we fear people, we become silent. We, we, we shut up and we don't say anything because we're afraid we're going to make somebody mad, right? We don't want to speak into their lives. Right? We fear loss of money, friends. We begin to doubt our faith. We feel distant from God because we become silent. But he promised us the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel says, means God with us. It's his name, right? He, right there, boom. We say that this year, this season, right now, Emmanuel, all the time. That's what it means, God is with us. And when you hear people going through this, right, when you, when you experience, maybe you're not the one experiencing this beating, but like I said in the living room, you hear somebody and they're, they're, they're become silent. They've become, they're distant. Listen, <laughs> as, much as, as much as my heart used to gravitate toward this, nobody in this room is, is Martin Luther or John Calvin. Nobody's Charles Spurgeon. Nobody's John Piper. Nobody's Matt Chandler. Nobody's Mark Driscoll, right? People don't always need to hear a quote from a great pastor. Sometimes they just need a hug, right? Those quotes are great and those men are awesome, but sometimes people just need a hug or maybe they need, maybe they need an encouraging scripture or an encouraging word like last week Charlie gave while she was up here worshiping. Maybe, maybe that's all they need. We, I do this. I used to, 
I used to measure myself to those standards. I used to say, I used to, I used to listen to guys like Matt Chandler and, and Mark Driscoll. And, and listen, I love those guys, but I used to sit there and I used to measure myself to those standards. And I think, I've got to write all these things down because when somebody comes to me with that problem, I can say these quotes and it'll fix everything. Right? And that's not true. It's just not true. Maybe the Holy Spirit is giving you words to inspire someone. Maybe the Holy Spirit has given you a word of encouragement for someone. But are we being silent? Maybe he is. Maybe he's telling you to pray for someone, but are you being silent? Are you living the silent life of a Christian? Or are you singing songs of God's praises wherever you go? You know, Facebook, I talk about Facebook. I always have to include Facebook somewhere in my messages, as y'all, if y'all have heard any of them. But I want to, I want to, this, this occurred to me that I, I, I troll Facebook a lot, like Facebook. I enjoy it. And it occurred to me the other day, this is my own conviction, I had a friend of mine that posted that he was in need of prayer, right? And my heart drifted towards, again? I'm just being honest with you. Right? Again? So I want to challenge us this morning, and I'm going to do this as well. And you can do it or not do it, but I would love to see for the rest of this month, I'd love to see that when somebody actually puts a prayer on there, what about just picking up the phone and calling them and praying for them over the phone? Not just responding and saying, pray, I got you, bro. I got one up for you, right? What about picking up the phone and calling that person and saying, I want to pray with you right now. What about instead of posting our fears on Facebook, what about if we post positive, uplifting, encouraging words that the Holy Spirit gives us, that, that scripture, right? Instead of ranting about, you know, X, Y, Z, I don't know, you pick. Because I do it too, I'm guilty of this too. Because I believe it can change things. When we sing the songs of God's praises wherever we go, it matters, it makes a difference. I do this with myself. This is a little secret that I do that I don't know if my wife knows about this. So I'm fixing to confess something. But when I'm driving by myself in the car, it's kind of weird, but when I'm driving by myself in the car, at a stoplight, I always look in the cars next to me. Does anybody else do that? See what everybody else is doing? Okay. So I look, you know, and, and sometimes I just say a prayer for that person. And I'm not trying to, you know, make myself look holy or righteous or anything like that. I'm just saying that we don't know what kind of day they're having. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know if their kids are struggling. Now, now, sometimes I've looked over and I've seen a mom losing it on her kids. And I'm, you know, yeah, right there, that's easy to do. But what about the guy that's just sitting there, driving to his job? You know, what's he going through? So I, sometimes I just say a little prayer for him. So I encourage you to maybe try some of those things this week as we go into the next month. Because... What's louder in your, of your song? If you are singing a song, what's louder, your head or your heart? Because it's easy, it's easy to, for my head to sing, right? To open my mouth and nothing come out from the heart. Because I know the words. Luke 1, 72 says, To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath, so promise, covenant, oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness 
before him all our days. The oath of God swore to Abraham refers back to Genesis twenty-two sixteen, and included promises of victory over, the, over enemies and universal bl- blessings. God was, God was keeping a promise he made a long, long time ago in fulfilling this in Zechariah by sending Jesus. He promised us this a long, long time ago, and he's fulfilling that because I'm stealing this from Luke. He's not a promise maker, but he's, he's, a pro- he's, he's also a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper, right? Psalms 1, uh, 106, verse 45 says, For their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. The words covenant and oath that I spoke of earlier, they're, they're being placed in the strongest positions. How the Hebrews, how the Hebrews would write their songs and their, 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 their scripture, they place those in the, in the strongest positions. It's basically being underlined, highlighted, and put in bold. Covenant and oath. So in your Bibles, highlight that. Covenant and oath. Because what it's showing and representing is the older covenant. It's perfect law, which we couldn't follow. Everybody knows that, right? Perfect law. Old covenant could not follow. The new covenant is a perfect son who could, who could follow the law. So that's old covenant, new covenant. The better covenant, better covenant is the replacement in Jesus that we have. Him coming to die for us. Holiness and righteousness in the scripture is, is pointing to the without fear. We can be holy, holy and righteous without fear because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. So why does it matter today? Just what I'm talking about. Why does it matter? It says, because many of us are still trying to base our righteousness and holiness on the, on the, on the old covenant. Right? We grow silent. There's no song in our heart. We're, we're consumed by the list of what we can't do. Right? And forgotten about the one who could and who did. One of my favorite spoken words that I watched many years ago, and you, if you're not part of the 22 million people that have seen it on YouTube, you should go watch it, but it's Jefferson Bethke's Jesus is Greater Than Religion. Has anybody seen this? Yeah, all right, cool, yes, good. Okay, if you haven't seen it, it's Jesus is Greater Than Religion. Check that out on YouTube. It's Jefferson Bethke, but he, my favorite, favorite quote from that spoken word is, as he says, religion says do, Jesus says done. It's so simple. Religion says do, Jesus says done. And I'm fixing to say something, and hear me, please, as, as Luke always says, says, you know, hear me now, hate me later. But if you're in here this morning and you're religious, if you're religious this morning, you're not a Christian. You're religious, but you're not a Christian. Because if you're relying on your own sufficiency, which religion requires us to rely on our own sufficiency, if you're relying on your own sufficiency, you're denying Jesus' sufficiency. So is he sufficient? Do you believe in his sufficiency? I mean, I, I know I struggle with it at times. I mean, I tell, I mean, I struggle with it a lot. I ate, I ate lunch with, with Brian Rowe this week. Some of you know him, some of you don't, but he's back there serving in the kids, so I'm going to throw him under the bus. But we, we had lunch, and he asked me at the end of our lunch, he said, and, and he was just asking, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to pull anything out, maybe he was, I don't know, but he just said, he said, Chris, are you satisfied with God? That was the question. Are you satisfied with God? And without hesitation, I said, never. Never. Some of you might be judging me right now. But the reality is, is I never am. Because you know why? Because I wake up every morning and I get dressed and I get ready and I, my heart starts to long after things of this world. 
and I start putting him second, right? I start putting him behind, I mean, me checking Facebook when I first wake up in the morning, right? That's, I don't, I don't find him sufficient and I'm not satisfied with him and I have to go into him in prayer and pray. So ask yourself that question today. Write that down. Are you satisfied with God? And go home and think about it. Because what did, what did Jesus' song sound like on the cross? Right? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Right? The man was beaten, flesh torn from his body, bones broken, nails driven into his hands and feet. He bled to death. Right? I was a firefighter for eight years. I've seen someone bleed to death. Any of you in a medical community have probably seen someone bleed to death, and I can tell you it's not pleasant. There are sounds, smells, and visions. I pray that my heart would forget what my eyes have seen sometimes. The gurgling. And while he's, while he's strung and nailed to this cross, his song it's for you and me. The song in his heart is pleading with God, his mercies and his grace. When we don't see him as sufficient, and you can tell I struggle with this this week, when you don't see him, him as sufficient, you spit in his face. You're no different than the soldier standing on the ground spitting in his face because you don't believe sufficient. My heart. Because Jesus was and is sufficient. And God was and is satisfied with His Son. So this year, when you put up your tree, if you haven't already, we're we're overachievers. We already have a tree up. Thank you. We have a tree. We're looking at that tree and we see how beautiful that tree is, and we're we're excited about the ribbon and the lights and the ornaments that our kids made long ago and the star on top. We need to look at that tree and think of a different tree. Right? Because he came to die for you and for me. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Luke, sorry, I need to get the tree. <clears throat> Luke, uh, Luke 1, verse 76 says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. We become fearful and afraid in the dark. We're alone, but we have, we have the brightest light. He's given us His gospel. His gospel calls his people and brings his people out of the darkness into light. Isaiah 60, starting verse 2, says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise, <clears throat> arise upon you, and his, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. 
So what does your song sound like? Ask yourself that. Write that down. What does your song sound like? Because the gospel of God in this song clearly portrays God's removing a few things, right? He's removing, he's removing the fear of our enemies. We just read that. He removes the fear of our enemies. And what are our enemies? Depression, fear, right? Anxiety, poverty, sickness, death. These are all fears we all have. And when we're fearful of these things, we begin to, extend, we, we begin to sustain damage of what could happen. A few weeks ago, I preached about fear and the, wor- the worst case scenario, how when we become fearful of things, we dream up and we, we conjure up the worst possible scenario in our minds, and our hearts. We do this and, and, and what, what's going on inside is we're sustaining injury. We're, we're, we're sustaining, you know, deep blunt force trauma, right? We're, inter- we're bleeding internally. That's why, you, that's why you walk up to somebody, you don't realize that they're struggling. On the outside, they look, everything's fine. You don't see any bruising. But inside, what's going on inside when that fear is just ripping and roaring inside their bodies, right? In their hearts. Jesus removes our cause of fear. We still sustain the damage, but we ultimately, we ultimately are restored and God wins. God wins. We struggle to believe that, though. We struggle to believe that God will win. Our culture, it, it, the culture right now, our culture looks like the enemy's winning. It looks like the world is growing darker and darker, right, with ISIS. ISIS is coming over our borders, right, by the thousands, the droves. Immig- Im- immigrants are pouring into this country. The enemy's winning. That's what culture says. Cancer. Cancer's killing babies. Cancer's killing kids. It's killing old people. The enemy's winning. War. War on our streets. Rioting. Killing. Enemy's winning. Death. Every day. Presidents. Leaders. Good or bad. The enemy's winning. That's not true. God wins. Right? We let culture have such a huge voice in our lives we make god's voice so small because we're and i'm probably preaching to the choir but you know this we're fighting the wrong problem right sin is the issue more immigration laws won't fix it it won't i'm sorry more guns won't fix it and i like guns don't get me wrong i'm just saying more guns don't fix it this will sting a little bit the constitution of the United States of America will not fix it. It won't. The only thing that will fix it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Period. That's the only thing it's going to fix. But that's the only thing that will fix it. Because Jesus has already defeated our enemies for us. On the cross, he defeated sin, and he defeated death in the tomb. We'll never, we'll never... We're never, we, we never have to have the weight of sin on our shoulders any longer because he's already taken that away from us. He becomes our strength, our confidence, our sufficiency. He doesn't make us mightier through the cross. He gave us one on the cross that was mighty for us. He takes away our darkness. He guides our feet and lights our path. How many of you like that Amy Grant song I did at the beginning, right? That was good, wasn't it? I'm going to join the worship team, Darren. Back there, yeah. Join the worship team next week. That was my audition. Listen, we're going to be in dark times. 
right? But he's always there leading and guiding us. Nothing on this cold, dark, wretched, rotten planet happens before it sifts through his fingers first, period. Period. Because when I sit and I pray and I see all this stuff going on and, 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 and it looks like the enemy's winning, my, my song in my heart isn't to sing of his mercies, right? I sit and I, and I, and I, and I ask why. I'm in disbelief. I, see, I, I say, why, God? Why would you not stop this tragedy? But listen, plane, planes crashing into buildings, right? People dying, abortions. Listen, those are, all, those are all horrific things, but they're not tragedies. They're not tragedies. The tragedy is when we can't look at that situation as believers. We can't look at that situation and see God's glorious gospel at work in those situations. That's the tragedy, right? Those are horrific and bad things. I'm not dismissing those, but I'm saying the tragedy is when we miss it. We miss his gospel. We miss, we miss him redeeming people through those things. That's what, we, that's what, that's what the tragedy is. Because I forget that we've been promised something better than a feeble life on this planet. We've been, a, we've been promised eternal love and eternal salvation through him. And that's better than anything this planet has to offer, good or bad. Our culture grasping darkness for answers. They're, they're looking. They can't understand why. They don't know where to look and turn. Where do we turn? Where should we turn? God, right? Jesus, to his gospel, to his light. He takes away our silence. But are you still silent? Are you still silent this morning? Will you be silent this week? I'll tell you a story of two people that weren't silent in the Bible. It's Paul and Silas. Acts 16, we do have this one. I'll read you this little story. It's a cool little story. Paul, Paul basically what happened is Paul and Silas are, are walking through the streets and uh, this fortune teller girl comes up and starts heckling them, right? They're walking, she's heckling, and, and Paul just gets tired of it. Turns around, poof, be gone, right? Boom, cast a demon out of her right there on the street. Get, gets tired of it. Get out, you know? Well, the masters of the slave girl get upset because now Paul and Silas have messed with their money, right? So they have them beaten and thrown in jail and arrested. So they're in jail. We see them, we find them in jail, and... It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in jail. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Real quick, back up. And the prisoners were listening to them. People are listening to you. What is your heart singing on Facebook, on the phone, on your text messages, when you're sitting in the living room, on the couch, in comm group, in DNA group, wherever you meet? What's your heart singing because people are listening and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Everyone's. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all, to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, so he and all his family. 
Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So were Paul and Silas really enchained? Were they really entombed? What do you think? I say no. Because, because Christ coming and dying on the cross broke those chains, and there was no tomb. He defeated bondage, he defeated death, he defeated prison. We're cosmically free, so there's no such thing as prison. We're cosmically rescued from our enemies, so those enemies can't bind us and hold us anymore. They, don't, they, they need not keep us in silent, silence. So, what does your song sound like? It's the question. Think about that stuff today. Think about those, think about those questions I asked. You go home this week with your, with your spouses or your friends or your family, your coworkers. Think about these. What does your song sound like? Are you silent? What do our hearts sing? What, are our, what does our head sing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray real quick and close and, and ask the worship team to come out. If you will, pray with me. God, <clears throat> I thank you for, God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace, God. The horrific event that took place on the cross, God, was a beautiful saving grace. And God, I just thank you for that. I thank you that this season, at this time, God, that we, you sent your son to die, but you sent him first to be born and to live among us. To live, live among us as, as a man, God, that he has the same desires, God, and the temptations that we face, but, but God, he overcame and defeated all that on the cross for us, God. And we just thank you for that today. And I ask that you are with your people this week as they go. And let me pray. Amen. If you will, stand up. Just want to re, just reiterate that it is Christmas time where we get, to, we get to evaluate our fears and our failures and issues. And they, they are enough to silence us because they're anchored in turmoil and we forget that God is with us and he's come to die. He came to live among us first and then to die. And so we grow silent. But God, through, the, through this song today in Luke, he reminded us, he reminded us what, he, what he started long ago. And I ask today is just, when you're worshiping, when you're sitting here and, and the questions that we've gone over, are you, are you like Zachariah where you're opening your mouth this morning and nothing's coming out? I know for a long time I just went through the motions of worship, you know. I grew up a Baptist kid and I knew a bunch of hymns. And so I didn't know what it was really like to sing to God and sing of his praises and his mercies and, and really truly worship him. And listen, you get your hands up, whatever you want to do, put your hands in your pockets, whatever's more comfortable for you, but get with God and sing to him this morning. Open your mouth and let your heart be louder than any other voice that's going on in your head or your body or your heart this morning. Just your heart is loud singing of God's praises this morning as we worship the last question I want to leave you with is what will your song, what will your song sound like this morning? Thank you guys.